everybody, and welcome back to the DeanCast podcast. This is Allie. And this is Keely. And today we are going to be talking about 1118. Hell's Angel! Hell's Angel. I'm really eager to talk about it. <laughs> I know, me too. And um, our kind of predictions about where what this episode means for the long run of the show and how we kind of think the last few episodes are going to play out. So yeah, this is, uh, I have to admit, I don't know if I told you this, but I was really dreading when we would have to record our first review of a Buck Lemming episode. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yes. So speaking of this, this episode was written with Brad Buckner and Eugene Ross Lemmings. Lemming. And yeah, so I was kind of dreading this because their episodes are almost always awful. And I didn't want to have to sit here and be like, God, this sucked and this pacing sucked and this was bad. And like, I've never had an episode I wanted to talk about more on this. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. Like, it was a good episode one, but because it was a Buck Lemming episode, I feel like it just makes it seem like it's that much better. Because all of their other past attempts are just... Bad. Mediocre at best. Like, if uh, Robert Barons had written this episode, you know, he writes such excellent Dean casts, I would have been like, what is this garbage? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I still think it was, like, all right, as far as episodes go. I mean, it was definitely one of the, like... If I were making an episode like list that was bad episodes this season, good episodes this season, this episode would get on like a good list. I think that for me, it was the content that was really good. Maybe it was the execution that I just didn't care for as much. Okay, that makes sense. That That is fair enough. So I guess let's uh, get into the episode a bit. Um, the first thing that I noticed, this is the one thing I didn't like about the episode, was the cold open. I was just going to say felt, that, actually. It felt so useless to me. Here's the thing that I always have with Buck Lemming, is that they always se- they're just like always so extra about everything. And mm-hmm. it's not even that that setup was an outlandish scenario for Supernatural. It was just like, it just was like so just over the top and like so unnecessary and just like really cheesy. And I just, ugh. Yeah, they have a, a bad habit of telling not showing yeah that's what it was i think Mm -hmm. although this is one case where showing instead of telling was probably unnecessary because no one in that cold open survived we don't know what crowley's history is with that other dude is so no point really right some cool visual effects i guess but it was in the desert (laughs) yeah (laughs) the deserts of vancouver So cold open, not so great, but I mean, I think the rest of the episode kind of makes up for that. And I mean, like it's buck loving, like, you know, there's going to be some stinker moments no matter what. Yeah. They've got to get in their one sexist comment every episode. But speaking of sexism, (laughs) Rowena is back and a confirmed void lesbian. Yep. (laughs) And like (laughs) her like reveal as to how she was alive makes no sense. And I was just sitting there like shaking my head like, yep, yep. I believe this. This is this is good. I like this explanation. Yeah, I was just kind of sitting there with my mouth hanging open like, is this really happening? This is like too good to be true. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I kind of knew she was going to be back. I remember the respect that she was going to be back. And I think it kind of just made sense that she would come back. But um, actually having it confirmed made me really happy. And her having her and Amara be a team for a little bit, even for how short of a time it was, I thought was very gratifying. Side note, I am very ardently hoping that, at least in a, a small number, if not moderate number of fix, they'll have Rowena and Amara as a side pairing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm like looking forward to that. <laughs> what a great side pairing it would be. All right, should we get in? Should we get into the you know the really uh, 
Dean Cass part. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole episode. <laughs> we had some preliminary comments about Buck Lemming, but now that now that we're like down to the <laughs> Yeah, Buck Lemming and uh Rowena's comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Um oh no, but one more thing about Rowena is I feel like that explanation gives more hope that Charlie could possibly come back because they were very antagonistic towards each other, but you could kind of tell that Rowena had like a fondness for Charlie and they were left alone for a little bit or not necessarily alone, but Cass was out of the room. So I'm still convinced that she taught Charlie some witchy stuff. I think that would be a really easy and convenient way to bring her back. So easy. I'm going to be a little bitter if that doesn't happen just because with, just because it was so easy for them to bring back Rowena that way Mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah and i mean like rowena's supposed to be like one of the most powerful witches ever so if anyone could fake a death that well it would be her (laughs) so on to happier more heartbreaking i don't know it depends on how you view dean cast but (laughs) both man this episode was just i didn't even know buck lemming was capable of making me feel this much but like not in a awful I want to kill them kind of way you know yeah hashtag relatable just I mean this whole episode um Misha one I think is having the time of his life playing Lucifer (laughs) I think he's having so much fun and it makes me enjoy it that much more same because he doesn't have to talk in his cast voice that he says you know hurts his throat (laughs) it's so nice to hear Misha's voice more I I did I was thinking about that when I was watching it too just because um I mean, obviously his voice is not as low as Cass's, and sometimes it does, like, when it gets a little bit into a higher register, it does, like, this little squeak thing, and I just think it's the cutest thing, and it's one of my favorite things about listening (laughs) to Misha talk. He does have a pretty squeaky voice for, like, a grown man. Yeah. But it's, like, it's it's adorable, so it's fine. Um, I have so many notes, I, like, don't even know where to start, because all my notes, like, go through the episode in order. Um, My first note about the Dean Cass stuff... Mm-hmm. Um, is about that scene where Dean and Sam have come to meet Crowley and they're mm-hmm. arguing about how they're going to proceed and the part where Dean says, after we exercise Lucifer from Cass and put him in a different vessel, the music that starts right after that is so fucking poignant. Oh my god, okay, I have that literally exact same point. I'm so glad we're on the same page here. So, like, that music cue starts as soon as Dean ends his sentence. It is, that is the first start of the crack in my heart that (laughs) is the damage from this episode. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just, like, this, like, saddest little piano melody. At first, I remember when I was watching, I was like, oh, my God, are they about to bring out Dean's theme? Because if so, I'm not going to (sighs) survive. His theme is... It's always a rough time for me. I mean, I, I just think it really shows, um, again, like the difference between Sam and Dean and how they view Cass. I think Sam really sees him as a friend, but as an angelic entity. He doesn't view Cass's physical form as part of him. And I mean, he doesn't really have a reason to do so. So it's not really a fault on his part. He just looks at Cass as more of this metaphysical being, whereas Dean sees him as a whole individual. I think Dean's point of view and his sort of worldview tends to be more of a existing in a material plane, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think it makes sense. It makes sense for him to be, it, I think it's true to his characterization for him to see Cass as a co- cohesive whole. But I think it also says something about the difference in the relationship that Dean and Cass have versus the one that Sam and Cass have. 
yeah, and um, another thing I was thinking of is Dean had a lot more time with Cass when he was a human than Sam did. Sam only really interacted with Cass as a human for like a day or two, whereas Dean, you know, worked that whole case with him in 906. So I think that also helps Dean to kind of view Cass as more of a complete individual because he was he went when he was human, his body was his. It wasn't just a vessel. Right. So I think that was a really kind of interesting way in framing it and like really showing people like Buck Lemming are not subtle. And the scene is not even a little bit subtle. Subtlety is the mark of good writers. But um, I don't even care because it's the like, like, I feel like in this case, like, it can't be subtle. Like, you'd really need to hit people over the head about head with it and be like, look at how different these people see each other. And I think that scene did a really, really good job doing it with the music and kind of Dean's face and Dean's reaction to Sam because he was like, what the hell, Sam? Like, how could you say that? Like, he's not an it. He's Cass. Oh, just breaks my heart. And another thing about this, um, this is kind of separate from the episode, but I always see a lot of people who are really, really worried that Cass would get, like in the last episode or whatever, that Cass would get put into a female vessel and like that's how they would make Dean Cass canon. Which one, I think was kind of an unfounded fear to begin with because they would never permanently get rid of Misha like that. But this also really shows that Dean sees Cass as his whole being and not just as the angelic entity. Yeah, I have to say I don't really understand why that's a fear. Um, I'm sort of in agreement that it's a baseless fear. Um, But I do have a theory that I think it was born out of just discussions about how I always see something. I always see things about, um, oh, if Cass had been in a female vessel originally, Dean Cass would have been canon seasons ago. Um, And so I think, I think that's kind of like where that fear started, but it's, I mean, it's baseless. It doesn't have any foundation in canon. And now it's like, just like you said, it's, it's doubly refuted now. So. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of glad we, we got that. So again, it really just hammers home that Dean sees Cass, not just as an angel, but as a, person that he loves yeah that he loves <laughs> in a gay and romantic way <laughs> yes very much and then um you know sam was really kind of about letting Cass make his own choices because i think sam has like more embraced i don't not necessarily more embraced his mistakes of the past but sam was always kind of the one he carried the myth art for the majority of the show so he kind of has that awareness whereas dean is the more emotional one and dean he's used and to it, pretty used to being right yeah, and so their um, conflict there, I think, is very kind of in character with how they would view the situation, um, especially since Sam has kind of, like, had Gadriel against his will, so he would, I can see him, like, really kind of respecting the choices people make, even if they're the clear wrong choices that they shouldn't have made. Right. Like, um, in um, Dean's line in that scene, he likes to get slapped during sex by a girl wearing a Zorro mask. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so angry that this line is in a Buck Lemming episode because it is so Dean. <laughs> and I just feel like they always write him really poorly. They write everyone really poorly. But <laughs> I just love that line so much because a Zorro mask. He likes to get slapped during sex by a girl wearing a Zorro mask. And by a girl in a Zorro mask, he means Antonio Banderas. <laughs> that was my first thought, too. I was like, really, really, Dean, a Zorro mask? What's your... You have a thing for Zorro, <laughs> of all the characters in the world. Zorro, really? We don't think he likes to get pushed around, though. So yeah, 
Cowboy man. Zoro's kind of a cowboy. <laughs> He's definitely uh, assertive. We'll put it that way. Um, and so another thing in the scene, going on the opposite end of the spectrum, a line that just was super awkward and stood out as something that was clearly asked to be put in this episode, heart choice. Oh. Like, it was very clear that the word, they were like, sat them down like, you need to say the word heart at some point, because that's been a running theme in this episode, or in this season, in the show, I guess, but in this season in particular. <laughs> and then when Sam says, we make the, or we need to make the smart choice, not the heart choice, I was just like, oh my god. Oh my god. When has Sam ever said something so fucking cheesy? I know, when is, oh god, such a bad, bad line, but I love the implications of it. Because yeah. Because not even... Yeah. Half a season ago, we had someone telling Dean to follow his heart. Mm-hmm. So he's he's going to make that heart choice. He's going to follow that heart choice right up until he gets his angel back. And um, that kind of comes back at the end of the episode, which we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the end of the episode. But Dean is just kind of all, not all over the place in this episode. He's very single-minded and his priorities are very clear from, you know, the first second. Like all he cares about is getting Cass back. He, I mean, how many times did he say Cass? Like, he 15. I counted. You counted? I was going to guess seven. Holy shit. It was, it was a mix of Cass and uh, Castiel. The last time, though, when he's like, when um, Amara is there and she gives him that look. That last time when he says Cass, I like, when I was watching it, I like gasped and I, I like had tears in my eyes. I was like, holy shit. Like, he just said that with such emotion. It was just too much. And Amara is pissed dean didn't even acknowledge her she was there yep she walks up to lucifer she confronts lucifer dean and sam are kind of just watching and then as soon as there's a break in the conversation when amara i guess would expect dean to speak out because as she said earlier that dean will always protect her he just calls out to Cass. like he doesn't even look at her he doesn't waver even a little bit and that look she gave like she knows and i think she's going to use it against him Um, Because we just got the description for episode 21. It talks about how Amara is going to show Dean how she's torturing Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And she knows that Cass is Dean's weakness now. And that's the only kind of bond stronger than the bond she has with him. And she's going to use it against him. For what means, we're not sure yet. But I really think that's in the cards. Yeah, I was, I have to say, I was a little puzzled um, the first time I watched this episode just because... You know, she does look really mad, um, but I was trying to figure out if she's mad because Dean wasn't, I don't know, sub- subject to her influence or if she was jealous of Cass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like kind of both. Both reasons are kind of similar, but... Um, I think it's just kind of she's very alien. She doesn't... I don't think she really kind of understands the feeling that she's having. It's more just this is not how this is supposed to go. Right. It's, it's more like logical. Like logically, this should not be happening. Because she's, she's not very, she's not emotional. She's like chaotic neutral, you know? Right. The look on her face is just, it, <laughs> foreboding, I Ooh. guess is what I'll say. Knowing that spoiler about 1121, uh, it just really shapes sort of how I viewed that scene, I think. Yeah. And kind of before that, when um, we get to see Cass for the first time in so many episodes, I've missed him so much. I've missed him too. Oh. I don't know. He was very reminiscent of season seven Cass and it made... Maybe a little, not anxious, but like, uh, I don't know, like really sad. Apathetic. Yes. Maybe, no, maybe not apathetic. Maybe a little apathetic. 
<laughs> Maybe a little apathetic because I didn't like season well, I mean, seven. I mean, he was just like sitting there when um, Lucifer and Crowley were duking it out. And he was like, you guys, you're messing with my stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, oh, man, when Dean kind of shut down Lucifer and the first thing Cass does is just says his name. Mm. And then, like, later when he's like, oh, that was Dean I saw earlier. So it seems like he's, like, wasn't quite aware that that was reality. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. That makes my heart hurt too much. I yeah. did not. I didn't have that realization until you just said that. Yeah, and I mean, because he, he spends his time in the bunker kitchen, and the kitchen is Dean's domain. Like, he finds comfort not just in the bunker, but in Dean's home within the bunker. Wow. That's really fucking sad. <laughs> Oh my god, I know. He's like so depressed and he smiles and laughs when he realizes that Dean was there and trying to get to him and it's the only emotion he shows besides complete resignation. And he's like, it's his laugh is a little bitter too. He's like, I suppose he would have a more objective view of the situation. And just, fuck, Cass, please, come on. I'm like Dean in this situation. I'm like, come on. Kick him yeah, out. Snap out of it. <laughs> I want to snap my fingers in front of his face. I don't know. Is there any kind of other parts of that that we missed? That whole scene just like had me holding my breath for like 10 minutes. So I don't know that this really holds any weight because I don't really have anything to really back it up. But just the line, the guys, you're going to break something when Lucifer and Crowley are fighting. That uh, for some reason, that line just really stood out to me. And I, th- it just has sort of made me think about ways it could be foreshadowing for something. Yeah, I can see that. Like a fight that's going to finally make Cass take notice or something's going to get broken in his mind or something. I think that was maybe just because it was reminding me of season seven Cass that I had that thought. Well, I think it also can be like he doesn't want them to break Dean's space in the bunker. That's Yeah, that's interesting too. So Cass's happy place is there, but he's aware that it's not the real bunker, but he wants to pretend it is. God, you're just full of sad things. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> I don't think you are. Yeah, we're not we're not making as many jokes this time. This episode really, you know, made me very sad. Yeah, so then we kind of have the end. You know, Amara takes Lucifer away. Crowley and Rowena get gone. And it's just Dean and Sam back at the bunker. Dean is clearly drinking a lot. Mm. Although he's drinking beer, not whiskey. I guess that's better. And, um, you know, Dean and Sam sit down and they're both like, you're right. We like need to make the smart choices. Like we need to make the right choice in the situation. Then Dean's just like, well, we need to bring him home. So in Dean's mind, the right and the smart choice is to save Cass, even though Sam kind of sees that as the more the heart choice, if you will. Right. And I mean, and that also shows like Dean, you know, home for Cass is with Dean. God. <laughs> as if as if we didn't already see enough, you know, remember the era of the bedroom meta as if we didn't already oh, see I enough love, about how bedroom meta. <laughs> as if we haven't already, it hasn't been established that Dean has created a space for someone else, and now it's you know Cass is picturing and visualizing the bunker as his home. It's just you know weird how those two pieces are so compatible. One thing that I thought was weird about the scene was he was playing with the baseball and he like rolls down to knock over the bottles of beer. I was a bit confused by that, and I'm like. I've been trying to think of, like, what kind of meaning that would be in there, because that probably wouldn't... I, I, I just can't see that being in a script. Right. Like, I, it could be, like, Dean was, like, playing with a bottle or whatever, but it just... I don't know, like, knocking over pins, like, just taking it one step at a time, some kind of symbolism like that. 
No, you're right, though. I've never seen them do anything like that before, so it's not like it has a context within the show already. Maybe it's that he's on the right track and he's gonna... He's gonna... He's gonna get, strike get a out. strike. He's gonna get a strike. But, like, in this case, well, a strike Well, there's strikes... Thing. Strike in bowling is good, but a strike in, in a... baseball is bad. Well, I guess he he would... Well, he would be... He was the pitcher. He was throwing the ball. So, a strike is a good thing if you're a pitcher. He's gonna... He's gonna strike out in a good way. <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes for them? They strike out, but it somehow works out. Yeah. It's like, well, we fucked up. We we fixed this one thing, but we, we fucked broke it up this worse. In the process. <laughs> Everything got worse. And so then the last scene, we have Lucifer and Amara together. And uh, Amara's god has been gone, and we're not really sure where he is or what he's doing. And Amara thinks Lucifer is God's favorite in that hurting him is the key to getting God and, you know, the final showdown with the two of them. And that's kind of where we ended the episode on. And that kind of leads us into our predictions and thoughts about what's going to be happening for the rest of the season. So I think we can, you know, kind of move on from the episode and then talk about that. Although I think these two things are like really connected. Right. I think the, the one thing God cares about, I think that's further foreshadowing for Cass being God's chosen. Yeah. Yeah. I really think Cass is going to end up being God's chosen, God's favorite one. Because, I mean, that's kind of been in the subtext since season four, season five. Cass has always come back. He's he's like the Winchesters in that way, where he just always comes back no matter what happens to him. But it's always inexplicable. He just sort of is self-resurrecting. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> respawn. <laughs> respawn, like a video game. <laughs> Cass is God's chosen one, I think. God is going to come back to Amara and confront Amara and she's going to, you know, act. She's going to be like, oh, like you came back from Lucifer and be like, oh, no, I came back for Cass. Like you need to stop hurting Cass because Cass is really the only angel that's ever functioned the way he's supposed to. In defense of humanity. I mean, all the other angels. Yeah. Cass is the one with the, the crack, you know, the one that's has too much heart. He's not like a bureaucrat. He he feels things. Although that was another interesting thing about this episode that I saw is the angels are starting to branch out outfit-wise. Oh, I didn't notice that. The colors are all pretty muted, but they're like more like stylish now, for lack of a better word. One angel actually was even wearing the original cash trench. It was just a charcoal gray color. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but that's interesting. I, I think that should be something that we keep an eye on just because... You know, if the angels gradually over time become more independent or they start, I don't know, sort of thinking for themselves more, that could be indicated further in their clothing. No, definitely. And I think that's going to be kind of a way how they have to, like, you know, end out the season. That the angels kind of finally learn to love. That's how, you know, heaven will finally find its peace without the Winchesters fucking around with it. I like that. And I really, I think Cass is going to be one who's going to have to stop Amara. I'm pretty certain that by 21, he will be Cass again. I think Lucifer will be expelled. I don't know where he's going to go. I think he's still going to be a player in the finale, but... I, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was trying to decide when I thought Cass would be back, but um, I have written down in my notes 11.22, if not the same time as Amara, but um, sort of thinking about what we have for 1121 maybe that'll be because if they have a confrontation that episode is that going to be the third try to get cast back or uh yeah it will be because sam tried to get him to expel 
Dean just did, and now it's going to be the third child, and Supernatural loves the rule of threes. So, yeah, very well could be 1121 if they have a confrontation with him, I think. And I think if it happens, it'll probably end the episode that way. Like, they'll end it on, like, Cass probably coming to and saying Dean, most likely. Oh, oh. I'm ready for that. I'm not ready for that. I'm I'm not ready for anything. <laughs> but I think I think Dean um, Cass is gonna have to come back because he's gonna be have to be the one to stop Amara for a couple of reasons. We I mean Dean can't do it. We know he can't kill her. Sam I don't think will be able to do it because we know Amara has a control on Dean, and we've been shown in the past that Dean and Sam are not enough for the other to overcome mind control. Right. And I think there's going to be kind of some aspect of that in the final confrontation because we've kind of shown the effect that Amara has over Dean before. So Cass and Dean have shown that they can break through to each other multiple times now. I mean, Dean's already done it to Cass this season um, in the third episode when he was under the attack dog spell. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Dean was the one to snap him out of that, which is another reason I think that Dean will be the one to kind of get Lucifer out of Cass because... Another thing Supernatural does is the first three episodes of every season is really the entire season in within three episodes. Like every every kind of beat is matched in that. What was what was our opening song in the premiere? I can't remember. I'll look it up. So I think Cass is going to have to be the one to you know get Amara because Sam and Dean can't save each other, and um, it's also just going to be a really good end to Cass's arc. He thinks he's useless. He thinks he's powerless. He thinks the only way he can help is um by being the vessel to Lucifer, but it's going to show him that he can do these things and that he's strong enough to do something on his own, or not even on his own, but just part of a team. That's interesting. I think I like that. I like that a lot. So so that's kind of how I think that part is going to go. I don't really know how Lucifer is going to play all into it, or God even. I mean, we kind of, we kind of know he's going to come back. He has to. Or not even come back, I guess. He's going to have to show up for the first time. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that's going to go, just because... Supernatural can be kind of variable in how, I don't know, how it presents its mythology. Because in the earlier seasons, it was always played off with more ambiguity. And I think that was a combination of, you know, it really contributed to the mystery and the, I don't know, sort of the mythos of the show. But um, sort of in more recent seasons, they've been more explicit. I mean, look at how much of heaven we've seen. And it's, it's very structured and it's very physical. We've seen heaven, we've seen hell, we've seen purgatory. So I, th- I think, you know, we're kind of getting to see more of the world. The world is bigger, I think, than it was in earlier seasons. And I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's a problem that it lacks more ambiguity. ambiguity. <laughs> um, I just think it's kind of a different way of showing off the world that they exist in. Right. Sort of a different approach. Um, so yeah, I think I, I'll be interested to see how God comes into the picture. Did you see what the, the first song was? Yeah, it's... Uh... Creedence Clearwater Revival, Run Through the Jungle. And I'm reading through these lyrics and it's, you know, it's, I remember now in the premiere, we were sort of, as a fandom, talking about, um, you know, most of the lyrics is con- consists of Better Run Through the Jungle being repeated over and over again. But um, some highlights, uh, they told me, don't go walking slow, the devil's on the loose. I thought I heard a rumbling. Oh, that's call- pretty on the nose. <laughs> I thought I heard a rumbling call into my name. Yep. 200 million guns are loaded. Loaded. Satan cries, take aim. So this is, let the people know my wisdom fill the land with smoke. Yeah, that's, that's not even a little bit subtle. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay with it. Totally fine. I'm really kind of interested to see how these like last 
few episodes play out. Because I remember I, like, really wasn't looking forward to Lucifer coming back. Like, I remember seeing Speck about it, and I was like, oh, God, please don't do that. Like, I, I don't want him to come back. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But now that he is back, I kind of love the dynamic he's created. Because, mostly just because it's, like, nothing but Dean Cass angst. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, they, they brought him back to make Dean pine. Like, that's that's all he's done. Like, <laughs> that's the only purpose he's served so far. But literally, now that you say that, it seems so clear. But literally, that's all he's, that's the function that he's serving in the plot right now. And, like, that seems like a small and kind of useless thing, I feel like, when you just say it that way. But I, it really shows the emotional undercurrent of this entire season and kind of the point of what they've been, the, the point they've been trying to drive home since, I think, season eight now. Wow. Fucked up if true. Yep. The truth is out there. <laughs> and another thing I think we're, we're going to have to see again is I think Metatron's going to have to come back. He's sort of just like a loose thread right now. He is a loose thread. And um, so I think this is kind of my, I don't know if I talked to you about this. I think I talked to uh, Cluster Jam, Emily, about this. But um, I think it really seems like they're going to be wrapping up Lucifer and Amara this season. I think those plot lines are going to be ended up or um, tied up by the end of this. And I think that's why Metatron's going to have to come back because that's kind of the final the final thread and, you know, the final boss. And I think the next season will kind of be more about that. And um, I'm still really holding out hope for um, Grand Coven versus Men of Letters, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't see too much in the text for that to exist yet, but it, it could happen. And I would cry tears of joy if it did because that would be amazing. Um, It's interesting that you say... You say that about um, Lucifer and Amaro sort of being wrapped up at the same time. I I have that written down in my spec that just just based on the by virtue of them being sort of grouped together on the same side sort of now makes me think that they'll be resolved at the same time. Yeah, and I mean I'm sure there'll be like lingering effects. You know, there'll be like a consequence of that that goes into the next season. But I think the plot lines on a whole, will be resolved. Or at least, you know, the, the final climax will happen. And then the resolution will kind of finish itself up within the first part of season 12. I don't know. We'll see. That's that's kind of my main spec, because it really does seem like they're winding those two down. Right. We've had Metatron once this season, but I think they do have to bring him back. Because, I mean, he's like he's not even a big bad. He's just kind of pathetic, but he causes so much trouble, like more than anyone else does. And he's just sort of hanging out and he's always brought in just to sort of um, to sort of do sort of two things, um, throw a wrench into the mix and to sort of be a sounding board for, I don't know, like the, the character motivations or the character emotional arcs. He's always there to point it out. And uh, that, that's actually, you bring up emotional development. Another reason I think he has to come back is I think Cass is going to end this season with a kind of a big revelation about himself. And Metatron has always been, he's always been Cass's big bad. So I think that's, you know, something that right now Cass is kind of confronting his emotional issues. And I think in the next season, they'll have him confront the more, the physical kickoff to these emotional issues. I like how you've, yeah, I like how you've positioned him as Cass's big bad, because I think that's really significant for Cass. Which is why I don't think we've seen him much this season, because Lucifer has been taking over Cass. And I mean, he's the one that planted in his mind that he was useless. So that's kind of why he took on Lucifer. So I think, I think we're going to see um, Metatron again before this, this season ends. And I feel like it's kind of an unpopular opinion in the fandom, but I really love Metatron. I sort of like what he does for the story. And I actually think he's kind of funny sometimes just because, 
He's such a doofus. How can he be so menacing? I know. Well, see, that's 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 kind of why I love him. I don't. I hate like I hate him obviously because you know he keeps fucking with Cass and like ruining everything. But I really like him as like a, kind of a meta character. I like I love like the meta stuff, which I think is why I love Supernatural so much. And I think as far as author write-ins, I feel like usually when authors and by authors I mean men write in themselves into the story, it's always kind of douchey and like a greater version of themselves. Whereas Metatron is just like a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you're supposed to hate me. Like, please hate. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's like this small, goofy man who just is able to control the entire story. You you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. He's not a grand vision as much as he wants to be. As much as he used to think he was. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I really love Metatron. He definitely brings a lot of interesting dynamics to the show. And, you know, he's, I don't. He, he's kind of like Amar in that sense, but I don't think he's evil. He's like a chaotic neutral. And he he, he really kind of like holds people's hands through some of these like subtext things that like people know, but like he like has to point out, be like, look, this is where the story has been going. Like acknowledge it. Like this is what you need to say. And like some people that might like anger them because they're like, oh, like you don't need to like tell us don't do that. But like, you know, I think some people do need to be handheld for, through those kind of subtextual things. Cause like, again, the most of the things that he's been hinting at is Dean and Cass and their relationship with each other. And I think for Supernatural in particular, so much of it, so much of the story, I would say maybe even a majority of it is told through subtext. Um, not even just Dean and Cass, just, just everything is sort of, I mean, Dean and Sam never talk about anything and they lie to each other so much. You have to rely on that yeah. subtext. Yeah. It's a very, very layered narrative. There's really a lot to tease out of it. That's one of my favorite things about Supernatural. I think. Yeah, me too. So those are kind of my predictions as far as the end. I mean, as much as we can do before, you know, the fi- like right before the finale. And I think we'll probably do an episode about that, right? Like, you know, right after 22 airs, try to hop on real quick and do a like, you know, mini episode maybe about predictions. I think that'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. So if you guys want to see that, um, let us know. I think I think that would be really fun. And you can send in your predictions as well and we'll read them out and talk about it and, you know, see see what we get right, see what we get wrong. That's always, it's so fun because I, I go through my speculation tag after the end of every season. I'm like, wow, what a, look at all this wild stuff we thought might have happened. <laughs> and like, honestly, sometimes it's better than what actually happened or yeah, know, we build up that expectation, but it's always, it's always really fun to speculate what's going to happen. I love speculating. And like, I know like it's, it'll never be as great as you speculate it to be because of course not like a, a team of 12 writers will never have the same mental capacity capacity as millions of fans but I just I still really enjoy it so yeah I think that kind of wraps up where we were um with this I think you know want to move on to our fic recs oh yeah got a good one yeah we both have good ones so my fic rec for this week is put up your dukes by salty feathers canon verse just the most unbelievable unresolved sexual sexual tension you'll ever read so good everyone read it um and mine is um an episode coda for this episode, actually, 1118. It's a Dream, Dream, Dream by Xyla Demon, and it's about 6K. It's pretty damn good. I would highly recommend it. All right, guys, so I guess we're going to um, sign out here. If you are enjoying it every week and listening, if you could please rate us on iTunes, that would be really great. Um, it kind of helps us know who's listening and what people like, what people don't like. So, you know, just give us a star rating. That would be really helpful or, you know, send us a message. Tell us what we're doing 
Well, yeah, that's all I got to say. Anything else you want to add, Keely? No, I think you covered it. All right. Well, uh, follow us at the DeanCast podcast on Tumblr.com, and uh, we will see you guys next time. See you later. Bye.